the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I will be your host for today. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, and Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits in the United States. We've been around over 11 years. And, uh, you know, you, uh, it's a very popular product, the line of credit. And if something that you're interested in learning more about, please visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Again, that's nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Jane Pfeiffer from Field Trip. Jane is the founder and president of Field Trip, an advertising firm which is cause-driven, which is a cause-driven agency that amplifies nonprofits and the impact they make. Field Trip and its staff dig deep and develop meaningful solutions for the nonprofits they work with. Jane, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation, Steve. Yeah, so today's uh, topic is is something that I, I think, you know, many of our listeners, uh, nonprofits are under oh, about $5 million in revenue. And I don't think they spend enough time thinking about the idea of our topic today, which is nonprofit marketing, the cost of lost opportunities. Um and so I'll be very interested to hear from you, Jane, today, what your experience has been with uh, nonprofits when you kind of raise this or if they raise it with you. So let's start off right then and there, because uh, I love real world experiences. Uh, tell us a little bit about does this topic or does this idea of marketing for smaller nonprofits, does it does it come in front of, like, do they come to you with this or do you come with them with it? Yeah. So, you know, what we find is it, it's both. They come to us and, and and we find them or we actually work alongside of each other through a workshop or seminar or webinar or something like that. So we focus and believe that the biggest expense a nonprofit faces isn't shown on the balance sheet, um, but it's the cost of an IDK. Um, I don't know if you've heard that term, Steve, before. But an IDK is an I don't know. So I don't know about you. I don't know if I can help you. I don't know if you can help me. I don't know if solving this issue in the world is even important or relevant to me. And so that typically looks like us working with leaders of, um, you know, all ranges and sizes of nonprofits. And we're working in typically one of three areas. One is the relevance of what they do and the need, the demand for it has never been greater it's just harder to get everything done and there's more friction uh, around the mission than ever before. Or number two is they realize that they have to tell their stories to so many audiences and each of those people want to hear something different from them and they don't have the resources or knowledges or time to figure out how to do that. And then finally, for a lot of organizations, there's such an enormous gap between the people they help and support, and then the minds and the lifestyles and the hearts of those who have the time, money, and resources to help. And that gap is caused by, you know, gross misperceptions, um, understanding, judgments, 
or just lack of awareness. And so, you know, I don't know if that sounds like any of the, you know, difficulties that your clients face as they try and do the work and make the world a better place. Yeah, I I correlate it sometimes with um, behavior where somebody is a penny smart and dollar foolish, where, you know, they care about these little saving money and it's really small <laughs> and they don't look at the big picture, right? And I see that with the word opportunity, opportunity costs, where, you know, you're not looking at wait a minute here, it, you know, is our mission resonating? Can it resonate with people? Will it re- resonate with people? And are there a, lots of opportunities that are out there to raise money, to raise awareness, to really, you know, I, and well, it's hard looking at the big picture and thinking outside the box, isn't it? It is hard, especially when you have the board, the public, so many people telling you that, you know, any dollars you put in communications or marketing or branding, like, well, that's that many fewer meals or, you know, homes we can build. It's it's taking away from the mission. But if you were to look at your nonprofit, like, not like a private business, but consider the mindset of a retailer they know that they can't sell without investing in the promise of what they have to sell. So for some business organizations, that might look like an advertising campaign. And for others, it's a really robust, you know, sales team that goes out and does that B2B. And so leaders have to recognize that marketing is an investment strategy and not something that should be an occasional operational expense that we get on you know, when the grant is right or we've had a good year, we get to do occasionally. It doesn't have to be large, but it has to be consistent and it has to be an investment strategy. Yeah. You know, it just kind of the light bulb went off in my head when you were talking about that and the idea that, you know, people who build big organizations, they have a vision. They have a vision and it's a big vision. And I think sometimes when you have a small organization, you know, you, 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 like me, I like, I like singles, like let's use a baseball term, right? I don't go for a home run. Like I like hitting a singles. And then I think if I hit enough singles, it's going to add up to runs coming in. Right. And, and, you know, and I, and I mean, look at my own, uh, my own uh, uh, career and I say, you know, I kind of should have thought a little bit more about home runs and then backed back down a little bit. And the idea was, uh, this, this isn't about me, this is an example, that, oh, if I hit singles, I hit singles, I hit singles, I'll get a chance to hit the home run. But I think what happens when you're running a small organization, let's face it, the executive directors are so busy. They're so involved doing everything, right? That you're doing that, you're doing that, doing that, and a, year, a couple of years go by, and yeah, you get the organization uh, bigger, but it's hard to take the step back and look at a big, huge vision. And sometimes I think it takes someone like you, Jane, or your company to help people think bigger. Is that fair? 
Yeah. So, so let, I love the baseball analogy and I'm not even a sports fan, but okay. So let's say that you did work on your capacity, you know, beyond hitting singles in a sil- solid and reliable fashion. So you could find that, yes, that made you into a more well-rounded, valuable player, or you could find that you stepped outside your lane and now you probably compromised, you know, or, or could have compromised like the one, your biggest strength to the team. But there's also another option that is so unique to nonprofits. It could be that you had that skill all along, but you were on the bench waiting for someone to notice rather than telling the coach and the other players, hey, look, I can do this particular thing all day long and better than anyone. You just got to give me a chance. It's this this humility that holds us back. And, you know, when nonprofits say, oh, yeah, we're the best kept secret in this just nobody knows about it. Like that, that should be the warning sign, the 911 alarm, the red flag that, yeah, you're sitting on the bench having value. Maybe you won't be the VIP of the game or what is it? MVP in a game. Um, But you have a something to offer that makes the game better for everybody. And that's, that's great, but you got to tell the world that you can do it to get the chance. Yeah, and I think you do need somebody from the outside to challenge you in those cases, um, to to look at your organization and to say, "Wait a minute, here, this is what I'm seeing," you know. And I I think you can't get out of your own way if you're just doing it yourself. I think you got to get somebody who's an expert at looking at your organization, and that's the value you bring. Because I always say this too: what what are the things that consultants do? is they work with a lot of different organizations. And so they bring all that experience to you as the executive director. And you you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in Kentucky, so I, I like to think we originated this thing. I'm sure we didn't, but because of our love of bourbon, uh, you know, it's hard to say that you you can't design the label of the bottle when you're living inside the bottle because you can't see it from that fresh perspective. You're too close. That's why we ask others to, you know, proof our grant applications or provide feedback on strategy because we're so close to it. We, we can't look up, we can't separate enough. And that's, that's where our name comes from is that you shouldn't think about solutions and ideas and brainstorming until you've really either had somebody come from the outside or you've gone outside and taken this, you know, field trip to look at what you do from a completely different perspective. And only then, once you see that, should you come in and, and try and solve that problem, at least in you know if it involves marketing and branding and, and those types of things, because you're not trying to speak to the pre- people that know you. You're trying to expand that reach and then to take the people that know you and make it a deeper relationship. So you have to get fresh fresh view on everything. Yeah, I, I really, on that, I really heard your Kentucky accent coming through. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> it really, really made, yeah, I even made the, the bourbon taste better when you were saying yeah. that. So, yeah, um, yeah so, so, uh, so let's take a, give me a real case scenario of a smaller nonprofit mm-hmm. that you worked with. Yeah. Why did they come to you or, you know, what was, what was, what, tell me a little bit about it. I mean, we're talking about them, you know, and we can relate it to this subject matter if you can, of they didn't see the potential, you potentially saw the potential. So give us the case study. Okay. 
So a lot of times um, people think that, um, you know, marketing has to do with fundraising. And what I actually find is that, you know, it's a lot of times more appropriate for utilization. So um, regional nonprofit, while it's a large organization, had a small program and, um, you know, a smaller budget and very specific had a program in uh, restorative justice. So helping youth um, learn from mistakes rather than a punitive approach that um, really takes them, you know, in a direction to repeat that mistake. So what happened is we did the messaging um, and we took that fresh look outside, understood the program. And before we launched the campaign, we took it to the board. And so here are board members who know what the organization is about, what the philosophy is. And what struck me is the first question was, well, this program can't work because we have to be tough on crime. Now, anybody at the board should realize this organization, that's not their philosophy. Yeah, it sounds completely but, different. Yeah. Right. But it was a great test to say, okay, now look at how we're positioning this program because this was in a part of the state that, believe me, that is the style of thinking. It's very conservative. So it was a great, you know, focus group of, you know, one dissenter and showing how we presented to a dissenting opinion that it was good for the community. And the story wasn't, you know, the Cinderella story of a youth who made a mistake and now is better because we focused on the implications to tax dollars, to city funding. We were trying to influence the decision makers and the community mindset that restorative justice means we're just giving them a free pass and that's not going to work. So it was a very specific focus, not on raising funds, but improving people's understanding so they would suggest it or welcome it when it was a possibility for themselves or their friends or their neighbors should a crime occur. Um, and so that's an example where our, our primary work was just how to talk about this with different groups. If we were talking to the victim of the crime, we wouldn't lead the conversation with tax dollars. We would talk about not only can they heal from the experience, but they can help heal the youth as well so they they don't you know repeat the behavior and isn't that what we all want so you know matching the different mindsets with the different um, languages and values of the program um and you know then seeing the use of the program grow and expand that's the so ultimate day in this scenario did you help them craft their mission statement and their, you know, identify their culture and identify what they believe in is, is, is because before you can launch a marketing program, you, you got to kind of understand that stuff, right? Right, right. Around the program. Um, no, we weren't tasked with, you know, we've done that mission statements and things like that. It was specific to this program. So in a way, creating kind of a, a mini mission statement. So what is this service? What does restorative justice mean? And then who are the people that need to hear the message, understand the message, and then believe in the message? And what will help them take that path? 
and what are going to be the obstacles in their mind or other obstacles that might stand in the way and how do we get in front of those? Um, and then we crafted, you know, uh, creative assets, you know, different um, video messages and then put them out in the world through, you know, public relations, earned media, paid media to get the message out. So what ended up happening? So um, what we what we ended up um, realizing, and this was great growth, is yes, the, the sentiment changed. It's a long measure to see if the case count increases, but the early signs were indicating increase in the case count. What we revealed for the organization, though, is the need to focus on the referral sources. So, you know, the the caseworkers in um, the justice system, the um, guidance counselor at the high school, the people that would be aware that there was a crime and there was a youth who was headed in, you know, into trouble and paying for that and could make a referral to the program and to put much more effort into those referral sources first and foremost and then change the community's mind. And where, while that was part of our plan, that's where the biggest gap was. That if we, because we can drive awareness, and you know, Steve, this is where I talk all day long, we focused on awareness. We were asked to focus on awareness. But alignment is the second stage of that. And if we didn't have the referral sources believing in the program and its outcomes, we were just driving you know, community awareness, but not really changing a conversion point. That's a marketing term, but, you know, the case count. So now let's focus on how we increase that alignment. And then, you know, the third and most important phase is that advocacy. Once a youth moves through that program and the, you know, um, court case management sees the difference they will then advocate for the program and and bring it to families and bring it to victims and bring it to the court as here's a great alternative to detention. And so we really need to work backwards instead of starting at awareness, but starting with that, okay, how do we get the belief and the confidence so that when we create awareness, it's, it's converted into actions and positive actions. You, how did your agency originally start? I mean, was it in, was it like, is 80%, like 80% of your clients nonprofits and you do some businesses, but how did, how did this yeah. all come about? Yeah, I have to chuckle because uh, my agency is a, a coincidence of a lot of really fortunate accidents. So I started the company with the intent to really be a, a media strategist, focus on for a lot of traditional businesses, their largest expense. And our start was in furniture retail. So driving traffic to furniture stores. Um, that started 16 years ago. And we picked up, well, a nonprofit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. picked up a nonprofit organization here and there. And um, a little more than a year ago, took a look at, look, we, we've tried to be, you know, all things to all people. We really need to focus on where are we the strongest? Where can we do the best work? Where do we feel good? 
where can we make money, but where can we have the most impact? And as a leadership team, we decided to put all of our focus into nonprofits and we work with a lot of civic organizations as well. And so, you know, we're growing. And to answer your your numbers question, you know, we're about 65% nonprofits and civic work. And, you know, the rest is, is still traditional advertising and for-profit businesses. But so we're what, on what, are, yeah, what, what other type of things have you found that executive directors or chairmen of the board have asked you to do? So they typically, if they are coming to us, the difference is they have a solution in mind. So the request, Steve, looks like, I need a website. I need a brand. I need help telling the world we're here. And often where we find the greatest work for both of our organizations is when we can have the conversation earlier before you know, they've convinced the board that they need X dollars for a website. Let's start at where do we start and what do we need to accomplish and who needs to know about us and what do they need to believe about us and what's in our way? Because in this case, you know, we could have saved, probably likely saved some grant dollars in advertising by really working on nurturing referral sources for, you know, restorative justice. So, you know, I don't know about you. I'll, I'll ask you the question, you know, I'm sure, do people come to you always thinking about, you know, a line of credit or do they come to you kind of expecting one thing and you realize like there's a much bigger need or maybe they're asking for the wrong thing? Well, I mean, if our marketing is right, they're, they're, they're coming to us because they completely understand what we do, which is provide a line of credit. Um, you know, there are times when I'll get people coming to us wanting to refinance a building or other stuff and because they don't know what a line of credit is used for, which is usually for short-term expenses, emergencies, not long-term type of stuff. So, um, and, and, you know, a lot of times, especially we're, I mean, we're, we're older now, so we, we have a, a direct focus as to what we're, we do. Um, but sometimes we would have we would look at those opportunities and say, do we want to go into that? You know, someone would, pre would present something. Oh, do you, you know, do you do refinancing? And then mm -hmm. you know, when I was young enough, when we were young enough, I would say, no, let's look at that business. We're getting a lot of calls for that. And it did, then it, you know, we would study it and, you know, so, you know uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I'm sure that those type of, you know, staying focused as an executive director or as a, a president of a company is, in, is I think one of the hardest things and most important things to success. As long as you are successful in what you're doing, you know, there's a, a very common term that's been used for the last several years in business called pivoting. Pivoting is when you, uh, when what you're doing isn't working. And you, you've tried your best, it's not working, and, but you've learned something. You've learned something and you say, well, wait a minute, if we just make this little change here, we can pivot. And, and I think that's a big part of growing as an mm -hmm. organization. So yes, do you have to stay focused? Yes. But when you feel like you're running into the wall too much and it's not working, then you got to make a little bit of a change. I, have you seen that experience as well? Yeah, definitely. And I 
I'm seeing a pivot happen as it re- as it relates to marketing and advertising, realizing that, you know, having one message for, you know, 10 different audiences, yes, it's efficient, but it's not effective because think of it very tactically if you have sorry, <coughs> an email newsletter and you're sending it to, you know, your legislative um, representatives as well as your donors, as well as your staff, it's, it's, it's not going to be effective. Even if you can just say, look, we're going to change the, the headline and the opening paragraph, and we're going to make that unique for three different audiences, partners, beneficiaries, and benefactors, like that's a huge improvement. That's doable. You know, creating a unique comprehensive email marketing program for 20 different audiences isn't doable. So it's just about asking the question and then how to just gradually shift that way. What are the little things that can give you a lift? And over time, just like your singles, that builds up. Yeah. Um, so it's it's almost like you're a consultant. Is, is that accurate to say? We have a very uh, consultant um, and in some cases, you know, educational perspective. Um, but we bring the resources backed by not only the thinking and the philosophy, but producing the work. So, you know, writing that copy, designing the imagery that goes along with it, uh, creating the assets, whether that's video or web. Um, but it has to start with the thinking first. Yeah. Okay. So, uh... What has been one of the most unique assignments you've ever had in the nonprofit sector? Oh, let's see. I could. Has take there been a unique? At... Has there been a unique project? Oh, or... Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what isn't unique. Yeah. Um, is there also different? Um, you know, I, I, I would say the most challenging is. Um, I have, a, I have a creative and analytical mind. So one of the first places I start when we're working with a client is understanding the business model. How do the dollars come in? How do the dollars go out? Um, because that just, that opens up opportunities for the people in the pockets we need to influence. And so we're working with an organization that is, um, you know, funded uh, by federal dollars and state dollars. So public opinion is doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't impact their revenue streams, but where it impacts is the outcomes. And so it's one of the more complicated business models I've seen, and we have identified 22 audiences that they have. So the complexity of that and knowing that we can't hit that all. So breaking it down into kind of subgroups, if you will, and figuring out which one has to move first. Um, so it's levers and gears and deciding, okay, do we start with this, this audience or do we start, you know, with advocacy versus awareness? And that complexity has been challenging, but I, I love it because it's, it's a puzzle to figure out every time. Wow. Wow. It's like, ultimate personalization, right? I mean, where you're really trying to get down to, especially that, that one with the 22 different mark, you know, I wouldn't say markets, but 
segmentations. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I kind of get it. But at the end of the day, we have to make the world more open to giving people in this, this nonprofit helps people coming out of incarceration, re-enter society through a lot of different programs. So we have to help the public become open to giving the formerly incarcerated a second chance to giving them a job to, you know, just giving them the opportunity to have a full life. And I mean, what could be a better cause? Yeah. And more rewarding when we change the world from the better. Well, we, we're, we're kind of uh, coming to the end of the podcast. And I'm going to ask you, uh, Jane, for one last thing. And that is, if you had to make a suggestion to executive directors for smaller nonprofits, um, what would you suggest the number one thing that you've seen? If you're explaining, you're losing. When you explain what you do, you are losing their attention. So you have to inspire and invite. And that's oh, I like that. It, you know, that might sound difficult, but it it can be done. And mm, that's where like you a, start. Sounds like a good book. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Well, listen, I'd like to thank so very much Jane Pfeiffer from Field Trip for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Our podcast for the Nonprofit MBA uh, uh, podcast have become incredibly popular and we have over 200. I, I would tell you that if you listened to these guests like Jane, uh, you would just be amazed at how much uh, how great the information that we get from uh, these uh, these professionals are. And it really is a good source, I think. I'm very proud of the work that we're doing on the Nonprofit MBA podcast. So, and of course, if you are looking for a line of credit, feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Um, that, on that website, you can just fill out a simple two-minute application with no documents and you can get a, an idea as to if you would be approved for how much or, and if you're not, why. So uh, it's a good thing to look at too. Uh, Jane, if anyone wants, gets in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, the easiest thing is just visit wearefieldtrip.com backslash nonprofits. You'll find um, weekly videos, my email address, and some other resources. Great. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Now, I want to thank all our listeners out there for um, doing the work that you're doing to make this world a better place. It's, it's, I tell you, it's incredibly frustrating out there. Um, you know, I just, I'm trying to get to a point where I can't, I, I don't want to watch the news anymore. I know so many people feel that way. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, doing everything that you guys can. I know Jane and I, in our own way, are trying to do our part in making the world better, but you guys are out there on the front line and I thank you for doing that. Um, but uh, again, uh, you got to take care of yourself first. If you don't take care of yourself first, you can't help your cause and you can't help your family. So make sure you are taking good care of yourself. Everybody have a fantastic day. It was a great podcast today and I really enjoyed talking to Jane. Have a good day, everybody.